last night, uh, my family and I, we had a, a time of, uh, we call this uh, chill time. For those who understand what I mean, chill time. And so we, after dinner, supper time actually, as a, as a matter of fact, we sat around the table and then uh, me and my daughters, we were actually having a game. And I was asking them this question. I said, help me to understand uh, teamwork. So I said that, uh, let's start from uh, 2 to 10, if possible. Huh? So they said, okay, let's do it. And so I start off by, and you can join me, okay, help me, okay, and connect with me on this one, okay. You can interact with me, and I tell you, it's quite uh, hilarious, okay. I start off with uh, Batman and Robin, right. We call this the dynamic duo, alright. For those of my age, these are the real dynamic, the original dynamic duo, alright. Batman and Robin, Boy Wonder, to the Batcave. Then we went on to the Three Musketeers. Right, so the theme of three. The next one is Fantastic Four. This one has no problem. My children like it. Fantastic Four, one of the Marvel heroes, right? Fantastic Four. Now, I'll give you the backdrop. While we are playing game, our children are very... Uh, I think all children are the same. They switch on their handphone. Right? Well, my daughter has the uh, Mac as well. So they will look at the Google, right? Okay. Uh, it, actually come in, it actually comes in handy later on. Okay, so Fantastic Four, five, a team of five. What do you think is a team of five? There's some uh, hands being raised. They say, but I chose Scooby-Doo. Uh, Scooby-Doo is four plus the leader with a dog, right? Scooby-Doo. Really? If you watch Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo is the one who actually carries uh, Shaggy, the boy, the man, right? Okay, team of five. Uh, it gets a little bit difficult at right, this time, time, right? Okay, team of six. Team of six. Tomorrow, this show will be, uh, will be shown, alright? The Avengers, team of six. Actually, I was hoping for, I told him, look, it should be Power Rangers. Huh? Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for those of my age, right? Same look, same height almost, same funny uh, design, mask, fully masked with some sort of a triangle, but there's a pink color one, right? Well, there's a pink, probably it's a lady, right? Oh, they say, no, 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 Avengers, okay? Let's move to seven. Seven. A team of seven. Justice League. My daughter reminded me, she showed me, my other daughter showed me, hey, look, daddy, this is Justice League. Okay, Superman in the center. Okay, Wonder Woman, the rest of them at the side. Three by three. Superman in the center. Then we went on to team of eight. Team of eight. Who forms a team of eight? Some wise guy in the group says seven, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> okay, it was actually voted, voted down, but this wise guy said, no, 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 seven, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, we got a team of eight. Because really, let's take away the Maleficent type of thing, huh? the, the lady, Snow White and her team of Seven Dwarfs actually overwhelmed, right? Overwhelmed the situation. So, team of eight. Team of ten, I should really jump in and say, team of ten is the ten brothers, for those who do not understand, there's a legend. Uh, about the Chinese legend, there are ten brothers, right? Some sort of pearl, uh, and then the, the mother gave birth to ten who were actually superheroes, the Chinese version of Marvel superheroes, right? Team of nine. So, team of ten, we are covered. Team of nine. Team of nine, my daughter says, SNSD. I don't know what's SNSD, uh, some sort of Korean singing group, okay? Okay, SNSD. Now, by this time, it's 12 o'clock midnight already. I have to confess, I'm tired. Wonder Woman already went to bed. Okay. Wonder Woman went to bed about 11.30 yesterday night. 
<laughs> so I said, oh, I'm the only one. And we treat the rest of my girls. But they are very sharp eyes. Their eyes are still alert. I said, look, worship begins on Saturday night. So I said, I got to go off. What's my point about this story? We have been studying the book of Philippians. Now this is an ongoing preparation for us to be a disciple-making church that transforms lives with the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. And Paul uses several key terms in Philippians. The first one was joy. Now the word joy or the derivative of joy occurs 20 times. Four chapters, 20 times. The next word that Paul emphasized was the word fellowship or koinonia. Koinonia is translated as partnership or participation and occurs six times, yet its impact was great in three critical areas. Three critical areas in relation to other believers, in relation to the gospel of Christ, of grace, and in relation, in relation to Christ himself, koinonia. Now, there are several other key terms which include citizenship in Christ, grace, and gospel, which we will learn as we continue our study of Philippians. Up to now, Paul was the main instrument that God is using to encourage and teach the Philippian Christians in today's passage, a new term, partnership, team, koinonia, and a new character, Timothy, will be introduced. Paul was under house arrest in Rome. He was awaiting the outcome of his appeal to Caesar. In the meantime, he hoped to send Timothy to Philippi to heal the dissension. There was a dissension, there was great disagreement between two ladies, Euodia and Syntyche. Disagreement among and between some believers should not be a surprise. Should not be a surprise to all of us because churches are made up of imperfect people one of them standing in front of you, with imperfect spiritual maturity. All of us are work in progress. Yet, my friends, we ought to be aware that continuous bickering, continuous bickering does not magnify God's name, nor further God's kingdom. So a church should not be quarrelsome, because in such a tension, it is highly, highly impossible for members to grow in Christ-likeness when issues and conflicts remain unresolved. No church, no church can expect to offer sacrificial service to the Lord. With this backdrop of the Philippian church, Paul was understandably, he was understandably concerned. Yet, he was not in a position to offer any help in his personal capacity, because he was under house arrest. And so, would this mean the fledgling Philippian church is going to limp along, just limping along, in a state of possible spiritual plateau, or even the possibility of spiritual decline? So is there something that Paul can do to help the Philippian Christians? And he did. Paul demonstrated the importance of Koinonia, partnership for the sake of the gospel. The key question to consider this morning is to fulfill the Great Commission, 
to go and make disciples. This is an ongoing process, ongoing work until Jesus returns. To keep this work as an ongoing concern, we need to look beyond. We need to look beyond ourselves and we need to work with one another. God's work will not suffer stoppage when something happens to us. So this question is important because it helps you to see ministry as a long-term, ongoing, building up of God's people. A long-term view of ministry will cause you to be willing and ready to involve others in ministry. There are two things in view here. A long-term view has two things. One, sustaining the work for as long as God determines. Sustain the work as long as, for as long as God determines. And number two, succession planning for the furtherance and the expansion of the, king, of the kingdom. This will be our quest this morning. Let us ask God to prepare our hearts and minds for a time of learning. I invite you to join me in prayer. Dear God, we thank you that you have given your word, the Holy Bible, to teach us how to live as your children on earth. We ask, Father, that you help us not to take your word as a piece of information, but rather, with the instruction, may we see transformation in our lives, molding us to be more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 19 to 24 begins and ends with hope and trust in the Lord. Christ, as the one who is the final arbiter of human plans, Christ is at the same time the one who guarantees the outcome of plans, our plans made in faith. A helpful reminder for all of us is found in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who is going to help us and move us along in His ministry, in His work. We have no control over our lives. The outcome of human action rests on the sovereign working, the sovereign working of God's gracious love and compassion. And so this passage begins with Paul's yearning. He's yearning to know what's going on in the Philippian church. Now, this is not what you will call an update, uh, keep, me, keep me posted kind of deal, right? Keep me updated. It is more than that, as the text suggests. This is a foundational character that can be found in Paul, as well as Timothy, we'll find out later on. And what is that? A genuine concern for the spiritual growth of fellow believers, which leads us to the first point. Follow along with me in your bulletin. A, gen- a genuine concern, a genuine concern for the spiritual growth of the church, meaning fellow believers. A church, as we are very aware by now, but it's worth reminding ourselves, a church is not a physical building per se, it is the people inside the church, in the building itself, that gathers together every Sunday and every other day, where the name of Jesus Christ is glorified and magnified. So a genuine concern for the spiritual growth of the church causes you to rethink and relook at how you can be of service unto the Lord. It calls for a responsible and selfless attitude and action. Why? For the sake of spiritual growth of fellow believers. A true shepherd of God 
will seek to lead the flock of God, giving himself over for the blessing of others. You do not impose your own will, your own way, but to serve the Lord and exalt him. Verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Paul was concerned for the Philippian Christians. Will their faith waver under the iron rule of Rome? What is going to happen to them? More importantly, who can God use? Who can God use to help them? While Paul was under house arrest and freedom of travel curtailed. Paul is not looking for an update. Not only did Paul brought the gospel to the Philippians, Acts chapter 16, and led them to Christ, Paul also wanted to be sure that they were growing. Not just receive the gospel, but that they would be growing. Paul was genuinely interested in their spiritual growth. But where was Paul at this time of writing? He was in prison. He was waiting for the outcome of the verdict by the court. Now, if you are in Paul's situation, caring for others will not be on the top of your bucket list. You will want to settle your personal and family affairs, put your house in order, close any outstanding issues, spend more time corresponding, because you're under house arrest, spend more time corresponding with family members, relatives, friends in Tarsus. Your attention is scattered. You will probably spend your energy and time on prayer, prayer for deliverance, from your situation. But this is not the way of a true follower of Jesus as we saw in the text. No. Paul forms his self-image and the way he sees others from the lens of the gospel. According to theologian J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, he says about our identity. He says, I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My saviour is my brother. Every Christian is my brother or sister too. Paul's identity was shaped by the gospel. If you actively pursue Christ's likeness, you see yourself as a child of God and your interaction with others as a witness for God that shines in the darkness. Now, so how does Paul demonstrate his concern for the Philippian church? He begins by accepting responsibility for those whom God has placed under his care. Those who are in positions of caring and leading of fellow believers have a heavy responsibility. The Bible makes it very clear that we have to give account to God. Those who are in areas of authority and leadership, we do not take this lightly. Because Hebrews chapter 13 is very clear. Paul knows that God will hold him responsible for the well-being of those that God placed in his path. Paul was very clear that this is a responsibility of stewardship. Now, many of you, many of you are in areas of stewardship. For example, you are leading a care group. 10, maybe 15 people or more joins you for Bible study, for fellowship, for prayer. Or you are leading a ministry. Ranges from small, nimble groups of 1 to 2 perhaps, to larger groupings of 20 to 30 people serving, serving 
with one another for the advancement of the gospel, advancement of the church. Take on this responsibility with the understanding that God's assignment comes with accountability to God. Besides being responsible, Paul was selfless. Paul says, For I have no one like him, meaning Paul, meaning Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Looking at verse 20, Timothy was close to Paul and dear to his heart. The words, no one else like him, are literally no one of equal soul. Can you imagine? Of kindred soul. If Paul ever needed Timothy, it was during the time when he was under house arrest in Rome. Yet Paul was willing to sacrifice Timothy's companionship so that others would be helped. Timothy, like Paul, had a deep interest and concern for the Philippians as we see in this text. Timothy was also genuinely concerned for their welfare. So both Paul and Timothy, they were excellent examples of selflessness, showing concern for others more than themselves, responsible and selfless. A true partnership is mutual, serving God hand in hand. A phrase that is familiar with us is this phrase, one heart, one mind. True partnership. Paul showed his love for the Philippian Christians by expressing God's love for them and and his own thanks and prayers for them. To have an effect, an impact as well on people's lives, you need to love them and believe in them Thank God for your Christian brothers and sisters. Let them know how deeply you care for them. And real caring, real caring is often reciprocated. Paul's relationship with the Philippian Christian is a, is a very beautiful example of Christian fellowship. He cared for them, he loved them. They responded with love and care for him. Like Paul, you and I can build strong relationship with other Christians in the midst of this church. Sharing, Caring, sorrowing, rejoicing, studying the Bible, praying with them. You will gather others around you only, only by giving yourselves to them. Their needs before your own needs. All for one and one for all was the slogan of Alexander Dumas' Three Musketeers. It should be the slogan of the Christian church. All for one, one for all. Paul enjoys us. He tells us and exhorts, says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than you. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. A true New Testament church is one in which all members, all members place the welfare of others in the body of Christ ahead of your own. Can you imagine what a church would be like if people, if people took this approach? Rather than leaders, leaders trying to attract members into supporting their programs, their first question would be, what can I do to support you? Can you imagine the kind of church with the kind of leaders, what can I do to support you? And the flip side of it is, church members' response was not one that would base their involvement. Yes, I will be involved on the question of what the church can do for them. 
but on how they can discover the needs of other church members and together minister for the advancement of the gospel. Now, would this be what God would have for Grace Baptist Church? Partnering one another for the gospel begins with a genuine concern for the spiritual growth of the church. Paul talks about another essential marker, and this is found in verse 21 to 22. Conform to Christ in all things of the church. A conformity to Christ is seen in two areas. Seeking Christ, serving Christ. Verse 21 goes like this. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Verse 21 Reminds us again, Jesus is Lord of all or not at all. Either Jesus is Lord of all in your life or He's not Lord at all. If Jesus is the Lord of your life, it shows up where? In your commitment. You are continuously seeking Jesus. Your life goals, your plans, your purposes, all these are placed under the rule of Christ. But Paul says that others were more interested in their own interests than those of Christ. Now, imprisonment, okay? Paul was under house arrest. Imprisonment was seen in Roman society as a shameful and humiliating experience. And it could well have been that some of Paul's supporters do not wish to be associated with the prisoner. It could also be that as Paul's imprisonment dragged on, fear came upon his friends for their own safety. The fear of arrest by the authorities through their association with Paul is real. While others might feel that, hey, Paul's imprisonment was a sign of divine disfavor from God. But in contrast, in contrast, stood this young man, Timothy, a, a rare gem in a world of self-seekers. Timothy is modeling the very pattern. He models the very pattern of Christ-like service that Paul has exhorted the Philippian Christians to live up to as citizens of heaven. The call to put others first and to offer oneself Offer yourself, myself, in loving service. Keeps Timothy, the young man. Keeps him by Paul's side. And offers Timothy more opportunities to serve Christ. In this case, by being Paul's link with the outside world. Paul mentioned that there were others who were too preoccupied with their own needs to spend time working for Christ. Now, this could happen to any one of us. This is very real. It could happen to you. Don't let your schedule and your concerns crowd out your Christian service and your love for others. Together, Paul and Timothy serve the Lord as slaves, doulos, in the work of the gospel. This is Philippians 1 verse 1. Timothy's relationship with Paul is close like father to us, like father and son, verse 22. Now in the ancient world, this was a relationship of love and respect. But also one of learning and apprenticeship. Sons were generally expected to learn the trade of their fathers and to carry on the family business. Timothy is therefore someone like Paul in his concern. Timothy is like Paul in his concern for the Philippians and his desire to serve Christ. Just as a skilled workman trains an apprentice, Paul was preparing Timothy. Who are you apprenticing for God's work? 
o a dia 25. Conform to Christ in everything that you do. Now, we are living in, a, in what we call a me-first generation, me-first generation, and whose primary interest seems to satisfy, satisfy ourselves first, to do our own thing and to go our own way, to capture and to hold on to absolute denial and self-control. So the early pioneers, we, we know who they are, they, right? Nike. Nike, just do it. In other words, don't think about it and don't let anything stand in the way of you doing it. Burger King. Burger King started with this. Some, sometimes you've got to break the rules. And there are many other imitators. For example, there is one, uh, a, one drink right, of a unpleasant nature which advertises itself as a taste of the night. And goes on to say, some people embrace the night because the rules of the day do not apply. A brand of shoes even latch on to this theme, promising a shoe that conforms to your foot so that you don't have to conform to anything. Ralph Lawrence has this um, tagline, living without boundaries. Even the state and reliable Merrill Lynch declares, your world should know no boundaries. Finally, for those who are aware of this, uh, this uh, name, Nemus Marcus. Nemus Marcus encourages his customers to relax when you go there. It's a... Uh, it's a target, it's an upstart, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a luxury shopping. Because it says there are no rules here, no rules here in the shopping area. Now, have any of these retailers considered the implication of their words? No rules, conform to nothing. Imagine you yourself taking a trip to Nemus Marcus. But this time, you merely walk toward the exit, straight to the exit, with your merchandise instead of to the checkout line. Before you reach the door, you are approached by a stern-looking security guard who asks you if you have paid for the items. You respond, no. The security guard informs you that you cannot leave the store without paying. To which you say, but I thought there were no rules here. Now, do you think the security guard will say, oh, that's right, I forgot. Take more. I don't think so. Advertising phrases like this might sound good for marketing purposes as they capture the spirit of the day, but they really don't work out very well in day-to-day life. All the more, it should not be the motto for Christians. Be conformed to Christ. Without a relentless commitment to be conformed to Jesus, the church, our church, cannot but parallel the moral decline of society. Rather than being salt and light, influencing the culture, you influence, you and I influence the culture with the gospel. Instead, the church becomes the influencee, the one who is becoming who becomes influenced. Instead of influencing, we become the influencee, reflecting the godless values and priorities of the culture instead of the other way around. So partnering one another for the gospel begins with a genuine concern. Concern for what? Spiritual growth of the church. Next, we discover that an absolute conformity to Christ, no rules here, cannot work. Conformity to Christ is essential in partnering with one another. Paul talks about another essential in partnering with another for the gospel found in the last two verses. Hopeful and trusting. In partnering with one another for the furtherance of the gospel, we can be filled with hope in Christ's divine leadership. This hope is founded on an unwavering trust in Christ. We must, however, not be led 
into the error of thinking that this partnership is merely on a human level at the exclusion of Jesus. Keep me out of the situation. We can do it. Let's look at verse 23. Paul was in, in prison. He was in prison, house arrest, either awaiting his trial or his verdict. He was telling the Philippians that when he learned of Christ of the court's decision, he would send Timothy to them with the news and that he was ready to accept whatever the verdict would be. Now, Christians of all people, you and I, we ought to be people filled with hope. And this hope is based on our full confidence that our trust in Christ is not in vain. Now, it must have been challenging for Timothy to be constantly out of fellowship and companionship with his family, friends and fellow workers because he's with Paul in Rome. But Timothy, Timothy was just that sort of willing, dependable, joyful servant. Serving faithfully with Paul, not an issue for Timothy. But the underpinning for ministry is Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 says that, I am sure of this, Paul says, I am sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Certainty in Christ leading his church, not you and I leading his church, you and I leading our church. No. Confidence and certainty in Jesus Christ leading Grace Baptist Church. We partner one another in Christ. The church is made of, up of believers, but there are three kinds of believers. Which one are you? Number one, believers. Believers. Number two, unbelievers. Number three, make believers. All oh, are believers. Believers, unbelievers, make believers. If you call yourself a believer, then believe. Believe. Your belief is not based on how you think or how you feel. Your belief is based on the promises of God. I have tried to help you understand this idea of the importance of partnership with one another for the gospel. The teams we mentioned from 2 all the way to 10, they have a common vision, common mission. Paul felt that he could depend on Timothy's judgment and he counted on being comforted himself when he actually got to know the state of a Philippian Christian. But Timothy is a young man. Yes, he's like a son to Paul, but you all know that youth is often exceedingly energetic and one of the hallmarks, impatience. Impatience of restraint. While age is inclined perhaps to overcautious and slow in coming to conclusions. Young or old, we all have idiosyncrasies. We prefer our individual way of doing things. In Paul's situation, it is often difficult for two people so wide apart, you know. Paul and Timothy, father and son, not brothers, far apart in age to work together. But a younger man who exhibits humble spirit, younger man Timothy exhibits humble spirit and an older man, Paul, who seeks only the glory of God and the blessing of his people. This can make a successful partnership. Koinonia. Application. Partnering one another for the gospel is Jesus' design. We know of some people who, has a, who are in partnership and their partnership is I, me and myself. That is not partnership. I, me and myself. Partnering one another, one another, not yourself. Partnering one another for the gospel is Jesus' design. He calls us to be united for the gospel and believers 
believers should embrace unity as our calling card. Many people, even Christians, live to make only a good impression on others. A partnership for the gospel calls for us to be generous with our time, with our resources, with energy, to be willing to believe in people, believe in them. Yeah, they are not there yet, but you believe in them and helping to meet needs, encouraging one another, getting excited about the good things that happen to others and helping others along in their spiritual walk. Last Friday at our prayer meeting, we learned about what God is doing through the lives of those serving in the various ministries of Grace Baptist Church. The prayer by the song leader, Toshi, called to our attention, Toshi called to our attention that we ought to give thanks to God. He says that we give thanks to God for the people and for this place. This place, Grace Baptist Church, which was our home since 22nd January 1983. Some of you were not born yet. 22nd January 1983, which was more than 30 years ago. We also want to give thanks for the purposes that God has in mind as time allows us to fully understand and appreciate God's greater purpose for all of us. It begins with God planting us into this HDB heartland of Macpherson 32 years ago, opening our eyes and our minds to experience what it means to engage with the community. We had good times. We also had bad times. Fast forward to today. Consider the downtown line just outside this church. The downtown line is taking place in this neighborhood. In about two years' time, the Mata station will be literally at our doorstep. Forget about COE. It will be at our doorstep. I counted about 500 to 700 steps walking. Okay. Depending on what shoe you wear. Okay. The one that, uh, forget about comfort sort of thing, right? The weather, of course, and the time. Three minutes. Okay? Walking forward, you don't walk backwards. Okay? You walk backwards, you can't do that. Three minutes. Now, can you sense the excitement or not? Can you sense the excitement and urgency and the opportunities? The opportunities that lay before you. God could, you know. God can sense it. 32 years ago, Matheson. Now, more than Matheson and beyond. He did that for us 32 years ago when our reach was confined within the Madison community. We are all still growing in our faith. When the downtown line is completed, will we rise up to meet the opportunity of both the residents in Madison and the commuters on the downtown line as well as the residents served by the downtown line? Now, is God telling you to evaluate yourself and be willing to respond as faithful men and women, young or old? Step up to be a disciple maker who makes disciples so that the lives you interact with are filled with the gospel and love of Jesus Christ. The checklist before you, are you concerned with the spiritual growth? Are you conformed to Christ? Are you filled with certainty that Christ will lead his church? Not you, not me. In application, three things. In showing genuine concern for the spiritual growth of fellow believers, ask God, ask God to lead you to someone. Ask God to lead you to someone who is in need of a fellow pilgrim to walk alongside. Can you be his or her prayer partner? Can you meet up with this person once a month perhaps and spend quality time quality time with the person? Every believer, every believer is on a spiritual pilgrimage and it is much, much easier to be able to find a buddy for your spiritual journey. Number two, check if your life is fully conformed to Christ so that, you, he, so that Christ can involve you in the ministry of the church. No rules here cannot be. There are rules here. We are men and women of God. 
if we have the interest of Christ before anything or anyone else, you can be assured that God's divine presence, provision and protection go with you. You will encounter difficulties, yes, but those are temporal. Number three, rest in the certainty that Christ will lead His church. Christ will lead us forward, Grace Baptist Church. Allow Jesus to mold and shape you, preparing you, involving you in partnering with one another. Be hopeful. Put your trust in Christ. Only when you're confidently resting in Christ, instead of trying to apply human wisdom and efforts, can you see the progress of the spiritual growth in this church. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of eternal life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. You are the God who has redeemed us with the precious blood of Christ and we stand before you justified, being sanctified daily and glorified in heaven one day. May our lives echo the exaltation in today's study, a genuine concern for the spiritual growth of your people, of one another, an absolute conformity to Christ and finally, an unwavering certainty that Jesus will lead us, giving us hope and helping us to put our trust in you and not ourselves. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.